0: Hey, my name is Steve Polk, First Baptist Church Rock Hill. We're excited that you've chosen to join us online today. Uh, our pastor is going to bring a great message today. And maybe you're like me. Maybe uh, you weren't raised in church. Uh, maybe you're there with your kids today or you're thinking down the road about having a family and you want to know how to make God real to them. Well, that's exactly what our pastor is going to talk about today is how to make God real to to your kids as you're raising them and helping them understand. So go ahead and grab your Bible, get a notepad and a pen, flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is our text for today. And get ready to, to be helped in how you help your kids understand God at their age. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, that you give us such tools that as parents, we can learn how best to raise our kids just by following what you teach us through Scripture. And in this case, we can be able to talk about you in a way that our kids can relate to and, and understand and the, the relationship that we develop with our kids through uh, through understanding your word and living that together. Thank you for our time together today. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: On my way to record this message, I happened to bump into... A member of our church. She's a young grandmother. They have their first grandchild, and she actually had the baby with her. And you know, the the car seat that you can take out, and she was carrying him. And and I was able to see him. Beautiful, beautiful baby. And we talked about how wonderful it is to be a grandparent. And it is. There's, you know, there's be, grandchildren and children are so beautiful and so special. But I have to tell you, and if you're a parent, you know, you know this. Raising kids can really uh, be a challenge. I, 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 I sometimes say it's like, uh, like you know, trying to hold on to soap when you're in the shower, they can they can just slip out of your hand real quickly. And uh, then especially when those when you soap, you know, you've used it up and, and it's just little pieces. And you know, years ago I started buying those um, I don't know what you call them those soap sacks that are made out of different types of mesh and stuff. Put all those little pieces of soap in so you can use them because when you try to hold on to soap, especially as it gets smaller, it just gets it, it gets tough. And uh, that may seem like a, a silly analogy, but I think, you know, raising kids can be a lot like that. We try to hold on. We try to, you know, shape them. We try to influence them. But, man, they can be slippery little devils, if you will. And uh, all of us as parents and grandparents want the best for our kids. We want them to grow up safe, grow up well. We want them to love Jesus. We want them to serve Jesus when they're when they're adults and and be the real deal when it comes to being a follower uh, of of Jesus Christ. And it, it's not always easy. You you can take them to church all the time, and and there still be struggles. I remember when I was in high school, a friend who was killed in a tragic automobile accident, and when some friends of her. Uh, heard that she had died, they very rudely and, and hurtfully said in a, on one occasion, well, she's in hell tonight. And what I've always remembered about that is even though my friend uh, had had committed her life to Christ and been baptized and went to church, her lifestyle was such that others who knew her did not have confidence in her salvation. And what we as parents and grandparents want for our kids is for them to grow up well and grow up living in such a way there is no question, there's no doubt about their spiritual standing, about the authenticity of their relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, we, we we want that for them. And, and our fear is that they won't do that or that something tragic will happen to them Uh, before they reached the point of being sold out to Jesus Christ. I remember reading about a a family, the parents were named Ed and Carol, and uh, all of their children had already left home and gotten married except for the youngest, who was now 20 years old, and it was a beautiful day. The sun was shining. It was only about 70 degrees, perfect day to work in the yard, and so Mom and dad and their their 20-year-old son, Ted, they spent that day cutting grass and trimming the hedges and working in the flowers and just making the yard look nice. And by the time they finished, it was dinner. So they went in, they had supper together, and uh, after they did the things they normally did after supper, it was time for Ed and Carol to go to bed. Ted, who was 20 years old, was just now going out. He'd been on the phone with some of his friends. It was Saturday evening, and as he left, they told him, bye, be safe, and don't stay out too late, hoping he would come home as a 20-year-old early enough to make it to church the next Sunday morning. And Carol woke up to go to the bathroom about 2 in the morning and noticed that her son was not home, and she was worried. As she got back in bed, she kind of whispered to her husband, Ed, Ted's not home, and he said, I know, I can't sleep either, and and they, they watched as the clock gradually changed time, 2.15, 2.30, 2.45, 3 a.m., and the phone rang. And uh, someone on the other end said, is this the Cooper residence? And she said, yes, this is Mister Co- Mrs. Cooper. And he said, this is the sheriff's office uh, calling. There's been an accident, and your son has been injured. You need to get to the emergency room at the local hospital as quickly as possible. Well, they got out of bed, got dressed, got in the car, drove to the hospital. By the time they arrived, their son was dead. He'd been hit in a head-on collision by a drunk driver. And they talked about how for years after that, they, they would think to themselves, if only, if only, if only. And the truth is, even though they had raised him in church and he went to church, they had questions they had questions about his relationship with Jesus Christ because it didn't, you know, it 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 wasn't it wasn't a sold out relationship to Christ. Yes, he had made a profession of faith, but he had not been living like a devout follower of Christ, a good kid. But uh, his life was such that it caused them to have some questions. And so, what I want to talk about for the next few moments is how do you and I, as parents, Make Jesus Christ, make God real to our kids. Now, if you listen to me preach some weeks ago when I was talking about how, how to love your prodigal children, you know that I believe and that the Bible teaches and that life shows us there are no guarantees. There is nothing you and I, as parents and grandparents, can do. There is nothing a local church can do that guarantees our children and grandchildren will grow up to love Jesus with all their heart, be the real deal as a disciple, and actually definitely be ready to die and thus have no doubt, no doubt about their standing with God. There's, there, there are no guarantees. But there are things you and I as parents especially can do that influence our kids in a very positive and godly direction. There are things we can do that make God real to our kids in the hope that he will become real to them. And so with that in mind, I want you to take your Bible and open it with me to the book of Deuteronomy Chapter 6, this is a well-known passage. I want us to look at it for a few minutes. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting at verse 4. Let's read together. The Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God and the Lord is one. And then he gets really personal. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your might, you'll remember Jesus quoted this in the New Testament when he said this is the greatest commandment of all, to love God with your complete being, with all your heart, soul, mind, and Jesus, uh, Jesus is the one added mind. Here it's might or strength. Love God completely. Verse six, these words, which I am commanding you today, the word of God shall be on your heart, not just in your head, but on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons, to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets, frontals on your forehead. Now, that doesn't make sense to us today, but what they would do is write Bible verses on little pieces of parchment, Put them in a box that was attached to a band, and they would wear it on their forehead or on their hand. Um, That's what he's talking about here. And uh, he says, you shall, back in in verse 7, teach them diligently. Talk of them in the middle of verse 7. Verse 8, bind them as a sign. And then verse 9, write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. There should be evidence all around your house that you love Jesus Christ. Now, real quickly, some lessons from these verses for us to help us know how to make God, how to make Jesus real to our kids. Here's the first thing, and it's the most important one. You and I as parents must model authentic, genuine discipleship for our kids. They must be able to look at us And see someone who not only claims to be a disciple of Jesus, not only goes to church, but when they look at us and how we live and how we talk and how we interact with them and how we make decisions, when they look at us and evaluate our lives, there should be no question in their mind, we love Jesus. I love Jesus. You love Jesus. We are his disciples. He is our Lord and our master. Now hear me. Institutional religion, taking your kids to church, is not a substitute for the real thing. Not a substitute for being a true disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. Hear me. Church activities. We we as a church can plan the best programs and the best activities and the best ministries possible, but those are not a substitute for you having a true life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. What the church does supplements what you as the mom and dad do, but the most influential thing in your child's life, if you want God, if you want Jesus to be real with your son, with your daughter, is Jesus must be real in your life. You must love him, serve him, and he be the Lord of your life. You are a true follower of Christ. Nothing takes the place of that. Unfortunately, too many parents who go to church and want to raise their kids in church approach discipleship when it comes to their children the way they do other things in life. We want our kids to get a good education so we Send them to school. We want them to learn how to play the piano, so we hire someone to give them piano lessons. We want them to learn how to swim, so we take them to the Y for swimming lessons. We want them to learn how to play baseball, so we sign them up for T-ball. We take them, we take them, we take them and pay somebody else to do the teaching. But when it comes to discipleship, that does not work. Ministries and programs at the church help. They are a complement, a supplement, if you will. But they don't take the place. And it's not even close. It's not even close to the role you play as mom and dad in the spiritual development of your children. You must model it. That's what he's talking about in this passage when in verses 5 and 6 he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And, and with all your might or your strength, with all your soul, with your total being, love God like that. It's interesting that before he ever said anything about how you decorate your house and what you do with the scripture in terms of discipling your kids, the first thing he said is, how much do you love God? How much do you love Jesus? Do you love him with your total being? All your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul with all of you. Mom and dad, if you want God to be real to your kids, he has to be real to you first. The second lesson is we have to talk about God. We have to talk about Jesus. Look with me in verses 7 and following. He says, teach these things diligently to to your children and talk of them. Notice this. Talk of them when? On Sunday morning? No. Talk of them when you sit in your house. Talk of them when you walk by the way. Talk of them when you lie down and when you rise up. That it should be a normal part of your life to talk about Jesus Christ. Not just church, not just the Bible but your relationship with Jesus and what he means for you and what he is doing for you on a daily, daily basis. We make God real when we talk about him every day at home and in other locations. There was a a young family and dad had a job where uh, for, for three years or so he would have to travel a lot. And he could be gone for two or three weeks at a time, often out of the country for work. And uh, they, in the midst of that, they had, a, they had a little baby. And the first Sunday that mom took their newborn uh, to church, attached to her baby seat, if you will, she had a little book she had created, and in it were pictures. Pictures of, of things around the house. And uh, there was a picture on one page in that book of Dad, who had to travel so much. And when she got to the nursery at the church, she was showing the book to the nursery worker, and and to help her daughter for the first time be comfortable, she was opening the pages of that homemade book, and 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 Mom would point to that page, and 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 to her little little child, she would say crib, just because it was a familiar thing. And, and when she came to the, the picture of the man, she said, Daddy. Because even though Daddy was going to be absent a lot in the early days of this little daughter's life, Daddy was going to be talked about. See, when you're raising your kids, God's invisible. God is Spirit. He's not here. He is, but you can't see him. And you have to make God real to your kids. And one of the ways you do that is to talk about him, not just on Sundays, not just when you're disciplining your children, but talk about God every day like you do other members of your family because he is as real to you and your relationship with him is as real to you as the other people in your family. We make God real to our kids when we talk about him at home and in other places all the time. And and, and I want to say one more thing about that. Learning how to have Bible-based spiritual conversations, Bible-based spiritual conversations with our children is is a big part of making God real to our kids. In verse 7, he says, You shall teach them diligently to your sons, to your children. Teach what? Well, back in verse 6, these words, these words which I am commanding you today, the Word of God, the truth of God, teach them diligently. Now, notice, this assignment is not given to the church. Yes, we teach your children about God, but this assignment is not given to the church. This assignment is given to you, mom and dad. It's given to parents, it's given to the family. And as I said a moment ago, we can't pay somebody else to do what God has said we're supposed to do if we want to get the outcomes that God expects and the outcomes that we actually want in the life of our children. That's one of the reasons here at First Baptist, um, I'm so excited about our D group ministry and our Bible reading plan. You see, when I was a kid, my family did not go to church, so my parents didn't have spiritual conversations with me, and they definitely did not have Bible-based spiritual conversations with me. I do remember one, one thing in our house. We had a little, um, uh, is a little book of, of Bible stories, you know, like you can still buy today. And I remember on the cover of it was this scene. It was, I, I learned later it was, you know, it was baby Moses in his basket in the Nile River, you know, uh, there among the bushes and stuff. I would read that and learn some things, but there were no Bible-based spiritual conversations taking place with with our D group minister. We have hundreds of men and women who are encountering Jesus afresh every day as they engage with His Word, and we're seeing that translate into them being able to have Bible-based spiritual conversations in their daily life, whether it's with their parents, with their friends, and coworkers, one another as husband and wife and with their kids. Recently talking with a young father, he was sharing with me how his son had come home from school one day and raised a particular issue, and they were able to talk about it. And uh, this dad was able to take the Bible and uh, show his son some Bible verses Uh, that helped answer his son's questions. And he was able to do that because in the D group ministry, in our Bible reading plan, he'd been reading some of those passages recently. And it really helped his son. And I asked him a question. I asked him, if this had happened two years ago, how would you have handled it then? What, What would have been different about the way you would have dealt with it then versus today? And he said something interesting. He said, I still would have talked to them about God and the right thing to do, but I would not have known how to show him these Bible verses the way I did now. And because I had been reading God's Word so consistently, I knew these verses and I was very comfortable opening the Bible and showing him. See, I'm convinced that one of the reasons so many moms and dads are not comfortable having these kind of spiritual conversations with their children discipling their children is because we don't know how to use the word of God. We don't read the word of God consistently. Too often what we do is is we we throw out statements and and those statements may be accurate. They may be true. and, And we may say, well, God wants you to do this and God doesn't want you to do that, but we're not able to open the word of God And show them the truth of scripture and let them read it for themselves and then have a conversation based on the truth of God's word. And mom and dad, if you're going to disciple your kids and have spiritual conversations, if you want to take it to another level other than simply throwing out platitudes and biblical truth, you need to be able to take them into the word of God. God and talk with your kids about God using his actual word. Talking about God and teaching them. We don't teach when we throw out platitudes. We don't teach when we simply make statements. We teach when we can show them the truth of God's word by engaging with it and getting them into it to see. See what it says right here? Now, son, what does that mean to you? You see what Jesus said here? You see what Jesus did there? That's how we make Jesus, that's how we make God real to our kids. And I am so thankful for our D group ministry and our Bible reading ministry. And I would say to you parents, get involved. Do the Bible reading plan with us. Get involved in a D group and Jesus will become more real to you than he's ever been. And that will help you make him real to your children you must do much much more than simply bring them to church and church activities and that leads me to the next point is being able to talk about God and Jesus and the Bible and God's truth and what is often called teachable moments, those experiences in life. That's what that young dad that I mentioned a moment ago did. His son came home from school with a question. And rather than just answering him, he was able to take the Bible and show his son Bible verses and talk about it, making God real to his son in an everyday situation, a teachable, teachable moment. I, uh, I, I, I remember years ago, having a conversation with our daughter, Jacqueline. She would have been in elementary school. It was when Bill uh, Clinton was running for his second term as president. I believe that would be about 1996. And uh, we were sitting on the couch watching television, and there was a, a news report about the presidential election. And I remember my young daughter looked at me, and she said, Dad, Bill Clinton's a nice man, isn't he? And I said, yes, he is. And then she asked me a question. She said, well, why don't you want him to be president? And so I took a few moments and talked to her about uh, his stance on abortion. He's, he was pro-abortion. And what we believe the Bible teaches about life and, 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 and what abortion really is and was able to explain that to her and how God is creating life and that life is growing in the belly of The mother and abortion is ending life. It is uh, taking life. And at the end of that conversation, my young daughter said to me, abortion is bad. People shouldn't do that. And the reason I remember that story and it's so meaningful to me is uh, our daughter gave us our first grandchild. His name is Liam. He's 12 years old now. And I got to tell you, my wife and I, we love that boy to death. But our daughter was pregnant with our first grandchild while she was a college student and before she married. And actually, when she learned that she was pregnant, we were out of town. And on her own, without consulting us, she made the decision she was going to have that baby. I am so glad she made that decision. And I can't help but remember that teachable moment when we had that conversation when she was a little girl and we talked about abortion. The truth of God, even even when your child struggles in life, the truth of God can give them an anchor and a guidance in a tough moment. Mom and dad, you make God and his truth real to your kids and he must be real to you first and you have to talk about it. And you have to have Bible-based spiritual conversations, and and you need to apply it to everyday life, seizing those teachable moments. They are so very important. And then there's there's there's, there's one one last thing I want to say. When somebody walks into your house, it should be obvious that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Notice. He said in this text, uh, after, after you teach God's word to your children and you talk about it all the time, he said in verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and as frontals on your forehead and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates and I mentioned how they would take bible verses and write them on pieces of parchment and put them in a little box that they would attach with a band to their forehead or on their hand and then he says writing these things on the doorpost of your house and your gates if i walked into your house right now and i just did a thorough inspection looking around what's on the wall what's on the coffee table what music do you have what movies do you watch if I walked into your house and really looked carefully, what's in your refrigerator? What's in your cabinets? What would I see? And what would it say to me about you? Would it say to you you love Jesus? Or would it say you don't? Would it would it say well, you go to church, but there'd be so many other things in there that contradict what it means to be a disciple that it would send to me a mixed message? And so, in your home, in your house, what's the message you're sending to your kids? With the movies you watch, the music you listen to, the books that lie around, what message are you sending to your kids? The the art and the decorations, what what message are you sending to your kids that, that we love Jesus and we follow Jesus? Or we don't? Or is it really, really mixed? What's the message? Make Jesus real to your kids, not just in your conversations, in your Bible study, but in how you decorate your house, what you have in your house. It should be obvious in your home that this is a place where Jesus Christ is loved. Mom and Dad, as I wrap this up, you have to accept your responsibility for making Jesus real to your kids. I want you to notice something in these verses. Verse 5 through 9. Verse 5, you shall love with all your heart, soul, your. Verse 6, you shall have them in your heart. Verse 7, you shall teach them to your kids when you do this and when you do that. Verse 8, you shall bind them. Verse 9, you shall write them. Personal responsibility. Mom and dad, your responsibility. This is... Book is titled Why They Stay, written by Steve Parr and Tom Kreitz. And I've mentioned it before. It's it's a summary of a major research project looking at children who grew up in church and then as young adults into their early 30s stayed in church, kept the faith, remained faithful. And and what are the characteristics of the homes in which those who stayed faithful? What are the characteristics of those homes in contrast to those who did not stay faithful? And again, while there are no guarantees, this massive research project showed us things we do that increase the likelihood our kids will stay connected to Jesus and connected to the church. And and there are 15 factors they identified, some more important than others. Some more important when your child is a teenager. Others more important when they're young. Fifteen influential factors. And what was interesting to me, informative to me, is that five of the top seven influential factors in the faith of your child, five of the top seven dealt with mom and dad, not the church. Wow. Wow. And in fact, you don't have anything in this research related to programs and activities at the church until your child becomes a teenager. Then that becomes a factor. Before that, the home is more important than anything else. Mom and dad, you love your children. I know that. You want the best for your child. I have no doubt about that. You want your child to grow up. And it's my prayer. You want them to be more than just somebody who goes to church. More than somebody who simply prayed a prayer and got baptized. You want your child to be somebody who loves Jesus. And walks with Jesus. And lives a godly life. But if you want God to be real to your child. He needs to be real in your life. And you need to be intentional in how you teach your children. Will you accept your responsibility. I pray you will and you do. And if you haven't done it already, I pray you start right now. God bless you. I'll see you next week.